in this 25th session of Look at the Book on Romans 8. Our focus is on verse 29. Paul is answering the question, why is it that those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose may be certain that all things will work together for their everlasting good. How can they know that? And his answer is verse 29, because you can see that word, because. This is true, because. And then last time we saw his first reason was that those who are loving God and are called, he has foreknown. Behind it is foreknowledge. And the second answer, which we look at today, is he has predestined them. Father, I pray that as we focus for a few minutes on this doctrine of predestination in the book of Romans and the writings of Paul, you would make it clear according to what's really here so that nothing is read in and everything is read out so that we are submissive to your holy word. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Because those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. God's plan for those whom he chose, we argued this meant chose, drew into an intimate knowing, is that he have a vast family. He predestined the chosen to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. The aim of predestination is to have a divine family consisting of many children, many brothers. You can see this as Paul said it over here in Ephesians 1, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ in every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. In this, in this love, he predestined us for adoption as sons. So predestination is God's design or purpose that he would have many sons, which is what we see back here in 829. He predestined the foreknown, the chosen, to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. What will that mean for these brothers? Paul, Paul doesn't leave it at that. He doesn't just want to say predestination is to create a big family for me, which it is. He's saying something about those who experience this amazing privilege of being destined to be in the family. What, what is it? And he says it's to be conformed to the image of his son. And it would be good before we even ask what that conformity is to notice that the image of the Son reminds us that the Son himself is the image of the Father, right? 
He is, this is Christ, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn. That's going to turn up in 829 in Romans and be a, a, a sign of great dignity. He's the firstborn of all creation, for by him all things were created, meaning this, this term of great dignity means he's, he's over all creation. He's not one of creation. He's firstborn over all creation because by him all things were created. But the, the thing to focus on here is that the Son of God is the image of the invisible God. So when you come back here and you see that predestination is to conform us, conform us to the image of the Son, he means that we are being made images of the image of the Father. So God is filling the earth with images of himself conformed to the image of his son. That's the first thing to see. The second thing is to ask, what will be the nature of this conformity to Christ? And right here in the context, we can see a hugely important answer to that question. We are destined, it says here, to be glorified. This predestination is leading to being called, to being justified, and finally to being glorified. So to be conformed to the image of the Son is to be glorified, which we saw back here in verse what 17 of chapter 8. If we are children of God, then we are heirs, heirs of God, fellow heirs with Christ, because now we're brothers, provided we suffer with him in order that we might be glorified with him. So the glory that we get here in glorification is the glory of the Son. We share in the glory. So to be conformed to the image of the Son is to share in the glory of the Son. That's the first thing it means. And then we ask, well, what's the nature of that glory? Is it, is it physical? Is it spiritual? Is it moral? What, what, what's it like to be conformed, to be made like the Son? And the first answer is this, yes, indeed, it is moral and spiritual, and you can see it here in 2 Corinthians 3.18. We all with unveiled face beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image there's the word, from one degree of glory to another. Now, we know that that's happening right now because he says so. And right now, my body is getting older and older and weaker and weaker and more and more uh, decrepit. And therefore, this increase of conformity from one degree of glory to the other now isn't physical. I'm going to die. And on my way to death, I get less and less looking like I'm a son of God <laughs> with great glory in my body. But oh, the glory that is happening to me as I am conformed morally and spiritually with sin being killed and the likeness of Christ's kindness and goodness and patience and meekness and faithfulness, all the fruits of the Spirit are to be growing in us. That's one meaning. And then there is the meaning of physical, right? That's coming. Our citizenship, Philippians 3.20, is in heaven. And from it, we await a Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body. Yes, indeed, it is a body of lowliness and disease and corruption and death. But it's going to be transformed to be like. That word right there is almost the same word as to be conformed to the, the image back in 
Romans 8, 29, to be like his glorious body. Jesus has a body that is infinitely beautiful and glorious. Remember the transfiguration on the mountain where he was transfigured to give a foresight of what he would be like in the kingdom, and they couldn't look at him. He was so gloriously bright. And the way John puts it in 1 John, Beloved, we are God's children now, and what we shall be has not yet appeared, but we know that we, when he appears, when he appears, we will be like him because we will see him as he is. We will see him as he is, and we will be like him, both physically and spiritually. Our transformation will be complete at the coming of the Lord when our bodies are raised from the dead and we are changed into the spirits of just men made whole and will never sin again. So we come back here now and say, what is it to be predestined, be conformed to the image of his son? It's to be glorious, sharing in the glory of Jesus. It's to be morally conformed, spiritually conformed, so that little by little our character is like Jesus, and it's to be physically made into a body like his glorious body, which leaves us with one last question. Is all of this effort to conform us to the image of the son a diminishment of the son? And this next phrase gives Paul God's purpose in this. All this is happening in order that Christ might be the firstborn among many brothers. The whole goal of this is not to diminish Christ, but to exalt Christ. This is a, a term of great dignity and strength and power. So if we are being brought into conformity to the Son. The Son is being made the measure of all greatness and all beauty and being exalted in being made the measure of our exaltation. So when he's done, when God's done exalting us in the family into the, into the likeness of the Son, the Son has preeminent place now as the measure of all things so that we spend the rest of our eternity admiring our elder brother, our Savior, our Lord, our treasure, so that the purpose of the universe, if you take all this into account, is to have a, a, a vast created family of human beings who are conformed spiritually and physically to the image of the Son of God, so that in the end, the Son of God will be the center of all things and the meaning of creation.